Wardcast episode 131. Go. I'm Dylan Alvento, and today I'm joined by Alex Barry, animator on the new hit game that's coming out soon, The Swords <laughs> of Ditto. Hey, Alex, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I am. I'm very tired. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. That's okay. Um, I'm sure you can relate. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're recording this March 30th, even though it's going to come out a little bit later. I just came off the heels of GDC and Train Jam, and I'm going into pax east good lord and it's a lot i won't deny it it's a lot um but i love it i wouldn't have it any other way good you have a good time at gdc oh it was fantastic uh met a lot of cool people i really look up to uh played a lot of cool games made some games well made a game on train jam nice uh but yeah i was the uh the artist the animator on our game despite the fact that i would say my primary skills are programming Mm. um but that was nice so very unstressful relatively speaking because whenever i'm in a game jam and i'm programming it's i'm 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 the choke point right (laughs) i'm I'm the funnel i'm like shit 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 people are waiting on me and i can't get these assets in because i'm still trying to make the fucking character move (laughs) um but someone else had to worry about that and i was just like here's the walk cycle nice here's a sprite tile whatever man go have fun I think I I don't know if I could handle the stress of a uh, a game jam. I, I I'm this is all pretty new to me, so the idea of doing it when uh, time constraints with other people relying on you just seems just absolutely absolutely horrifying. It can it can <laughs> it can get kind of hectic. I won't I won't deny it. Um, but again, it's one of those things where I, I wouldn't have it any other way. We have a lot of talented people here in Richmond, Virginia. It's where I'm based out of. Oh, nice. Um, and we we collect ourselves a few times a year like four times a year to do game jams and um there are some people that are just like they thrive in that in that arena right like they can just make these awesome jam games because they're like uh very good at multidisciplinary skills and they can just knock out games um our our esteemed leader will blanton um went to school here at vcu uh which um vcu if you don't know Alex, number one ranked public arts university in the country. Um, uh, So we have a lot of artists here. Uh, Will went there for illustration, um, and he can just knock out really good pixel art just just like that. His first Steam game came out of a game jam. It was actually the first game jam I ever went to. Um, So he's he's amazing we have a lot of other amazing people a lot of other amazing people who are more tech focused so they really they do really cool stuff with like shader tech and and other other things so they can make programmer art look really really good um Mm -hmm. even though they don't have like a traditional art background but yeah yeah i think you would do well and i think (laughs) i think you can you, you know it's a gauntlet but i think you could come out the other side like with a lot under your belt well, it's scary because you you use um you know programming terms and it just goes you know whoosh right over my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like you you could do the same thing with animating, being like, let me tell you about uh, I don't know, give me a give me an animating term. Oh God, um, I don't know, setting your animation to twos instead of ones. <laughs> yeah, see, we're we're in different worlds, <laughs> you and I, um. But right now, we're in the same world because we're in the world, we're in the business of game development. Yeah. Alex, tell me tell me about tell me about the Swords of Ditto. Uh, okay, so the the Swords of Ditto is a um overhead action game in the vein of Zelda, obviously. Um the idea being uh there's a lot of inspiration from just generally SNES era or SNES, as my coworkers say. I, I, SNES. I refuse to say it, but they're British, so they say SNES. Yeah, but they also say Z over there, so who, <laughs> who knows what the fuck's going on? Yes, the ZX Spectrum, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, so uh, uh, taking inspiration from Zelda and uh, a few other uh, old games, but also <laughs> my director takes a lot of inspiration from Destiny, of all things, which is not a series I'm overly familiar with, but uh, he's pretty obsessed with, and he plays with his uh his sons so the idea is it's a a kind of zelda-esque game um with 
roguelike elements. So it's uh, essentially about playing multiple times and, um, you know, not fucking up. And uh, <laughs> there's a to put they, it lightly. Yeah, there's a there's a permadeath aspect to it um, in which, you know, if you die, uh, essentially that cycle you've done is gone and you're starting as a new character. Um, and the goal is to beat it in the correct ways to get to the final ending. So it basically involves a lot of um, cute characters. You get to play as a bunch of different types of um, cute cartoon characters, and you kill a lot of other cute monster characters in the process. Yeah, I uh, I saw a little bit of it at um, at Pack South, which I it was, it was really interesting. Kind of like the the steps here, right? Because I saw it at Pack South. I was like, this game looks very striking, very beautiful. I saw it at the Devolver booth, and then I think it was either Callum. Underwood or Jay Tholen, I don't know which one of them you follow, but they were both like, more people should be following Dylan. So I got like an influx of Twitter followers and one <laughs> of them was you. And I yeah. was like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, he works on that game that I just saw that looks really cool. I'm going to tell him how good this looks. Yeah, I was happy to, uh, to follow you because I'm, uh, you know, I've had a, this is all new to me. I'm from TV animation. So um, I had the opportunity to meet in person and online a lot of um, games people. And it's it's been a real trip. Yeah, yeah. And it's cool how, I mean, I, I don't know what the TV or traditional animation, like the sphere is like, but like games feel so close knit. And that's what like makes GDC so awesome because you'll go there, especially since I run a podcast, like I, I meet people, I talk to them online and then I go to a conference and it's like, oh, you're all here and we all get to hang out and talk and talk in person. And it, it, it's a really, it's a really fulfilling, rewarding thing. Yeah. The, the animation industry is very similar. It's, um, yeah, I don't necessarily know firsthand a lot of people um, in California. I'm in, based in Boston, which is obviously not a massive animation hub. Um, but, you know, there's always like, you know, two to three degrees of separation at most between you and any other cartoonist you may have heard of. Uh, just because it's just, it's a growing community, but there's just, it's small. It's really, really small. Yeah, um... What's the big what's the big trade show happening soon? For animation? Yeah. Nab? I've a I've a colleague going to Nab. I didn't know if that was I you know, to be honest, I'm so out of the loop on animation uh okay. expos and whatever that I I wouldn't even know one from the other. Alright. You're just in limbo, man. You just <laughs> you don't know where you belong. That's what happens when you're between two different spectrums of animation as a field and also in Boston, a city which does not have much in the way of gaming or animation. I mean, it's kind of the same with Richmond. Like, I mean, in terms of the arts, like VCU is kind of our anchoring point. But even then, VCU is like, if you're staying in Richmond and you went to art school, you're going to be like a fine artist. You're going to be like a working fine artist. Like if you were in any sort of like animation field or uh or illustration field like you're probably going to leave (laughs) so um and i mean there are people that stay and they do freelance work obviously and all that stuff but um i don't know yeah it's a weird thing like richmond is like the perfect city for me because it's not too big that i can be like overwhelmed (laughs) um but it's not too small where i feel like i still live in the burbs you know right yeah yeah, I've been to Richmond once. My uh, cousin of mine lives there. I, I liked it a lot, and I would go back. I like Boston. Um, I got to walk around Boston last PAX East. Uh, I walked... So get this. I walked from the convention center to Fenway, because we were staying in Fenway. Oh, God. Which was like, I don't an hour? Hour yeah. and a half walk? Boston... Boston's weird. Like, you can, you can see a lot in a pretty short amount of walking time, relatively speaking. Right. But that said, if you're doing it in the middle of March, which um, sometimes PAX uh, has fallen in March, uh, it can be really fucking cold and that walk will seem like three hours. Well, the thing last year is that so I so I did that walk on Thursday. So last year. So this PAX East this year is the first time that's going to be a four day show. Um, it's going to be Thursday through Sunday. Last year is a three day show. So I got in on Thursday and I got in like Thursday morning and I'm like, I'm just going to walk around town. And so I did that. I went to the convention center to pick up my panelist badge. And then I was like, I'm just going to walk. So I, I took the walk, but it wasn't like, so the rest of that weekend, it was like 12 degrees. <laughs> that one day it was like 40 and pretty windy, <laughs> but like not freezing cold wind. So it was like, it was, it was blustery, but you could manage. Yeah. 
um especially like i i do kind of rather well in the cold like it like it hit 80 today in richmond oh i'm God. like fuck this no i want winter back um so so walking around that day was pretty good the rest of that weekend sucked it was garbage i did not want to go outside it was so cold yeah it's pretty bad I, actually the um the last time my boss was here like my, my current boss on the game um he went to a pax east though i think it was like maybe three years ago and it was the year that we just had blizzard after blizzard after blizzard. So all these PAX attendees were having to deal with the worst snow I've ever seen in Boston. Uh, and you, there's all these people from much warmer places were just just dying. It's a, it was a little funny <laughs> as a Bostonian. <laughs> <laughs> these weak people, they're fragile constitutions. Yeah. Well, what was weird with PAX East last year is that they had that, that blizzard immediately afterwards in the Northeast. So like a bunch of people were trapped in Boston. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So I know Becca Saltzman, she flew in. So, so last year PAX East was the weekend after GDC, right? So they did GDC. No, they did train jam. Then they did GDC in the middle of all that was the release of night in the woods Oh, God. <laughs> so Train Jam, GDC, weekend after that, PAX East. In the middle of PAX East, she got the flu. Uh, and then she was trapped in Boston uh, <laughs> because of the, the that snowstorm. Oh, no. So uh, I, I made I, I, I said as much uh, last PAX East when I did the, the panel for the first time. I was like, look, all these developers here, or at least like 90% of them, just came off of GDC. So if they look like they're dead, just like... <laughs> Give them a pass, okay? Like, uh, let them, let them, let them live. Let them, let them feel okay with themselves. Right, right. You'd be like, oh, this developer didn't really want to talk to me much. It was like that developer has been up for like forty-eight hours after doing <laughs> a week in San Francisco. Like, and now they have to be in Boston of all places. Of all places, <laughs> I don't know. I like Boston. I described Boston last year as a really short New York City because it seems like no building goes above like nine stories and I was a okay with that. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't grow too high here. <laughs> <laughs> grow them short. Yeah. Uh but yeah, um so Swords of Ditto, very striking art style. Are you the sole animator on this thing? I'm the sole animator, but I'm far from the sole artist. So, uh essentially um our art director, this guy named uh Dave he is um <laughs> he's basically in charge of the entire style of the game and um which is good actually cuz uh when i was hired uh my boss um his name is Jonathan Biddle but he hates being called that so if i refer to him as bids that's that's who he is um he was looking for an animator and i just kind of cold called him via twitter of all things and um you know, I had nothing to lose at this point uh, in my career. <laughs> I sent, a, sent an application, my demo reel, and um, he seemed interested. And I was like, well, just so you know, I'm not really a character designer. It's not really where my strengths lie. I feel like I'm a pretty competent animator. But, um, you know, if you're looking for, like, background designers and character designers, it's not really my thing. So, no, don't worry about it. We got a guy. And um, Dave's been just an amazing, amazing amazing artist that's awesome yeah right now i'm currently like about to start shopping around for like a uh animator slash artist for the game i'm working on and i'm always curious like kind of where those disciplines lie but yeah that's really cool um that you have someone who basically is like doing like a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of like like you said character design and like um art direction and determining the look and feel of the game right yeah actually so um when I, when I was sending my stuff to bids and I was um, looking for a job, basically, uh, he sent me a pitch. I guess it was probably the pitch they sent to Devolver for the game. And um, the artist on it at the time was this guy named James Turner, who I knew his name was familiar and I knew the art style was familiar. And I realized um, he was actually known for being uh, the first Westerner to work on Pokemon, like as a, as a, as a Pokemon, uh, designer, basically. Wow. Uh, and he made a game called, uh, Harma Knight for the 3DS. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know that game. That's where I recognized the style. And, um, it was a really beautiful splash image they showed me of, of the game, which at the time 
wasn't called the Swords of Ditto. We, it took us a while to come to that. Um, but as soon as he showed it to me, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, there's there's people, professionals doing this. This isn't just some kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> little game. Rickety operation. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, he was actually leaving. James, uh, I don't remember what he was leaving for at the time, but I think he's back at Pokemon, uh, at Game Freak specifically, uh, designing actual, you know, individual Pokemon. Making Tembo the badass elephant too. Yeah. Yeah, he made Tembo as well. Yeah. Oh, did he? Oh, I was just making a joke. Yeah. So, um, so, but yeah, then I, I learned that um, this guy Dave Hankin was going to be on the uh, game as well. And um, you know, we've had other artists come and go for various things. Like we had a UI artist named Fran who was on for a while. Um, we've got a, a level to level like a dungeon artist right now named Jay. Uh, Jay. And uh, yeah, there's been a whole bunch of people on the game. Um, I've been the only dedicated animator. Cool. That's interesting that you can like rapidly kind of spin up and spin down and have a bunch of people, you know, put their hands on the project. Yeah. It's, it's, I think basically been about five people on the team at any given time. And, um, you know, so we've had a composer who was on for a while to do the music and uh, a writer, uh, Ed, who um, did a really, really great job at kind of having a quirky atmosphere to everything. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm trying to think there's probably seven or eight people total on the game now, but about five at any, at any given moment. And then total, how many have you, would you say have touched the game in some way? Uh, trying to think, man, it's, it's, I can't, I, I don't think it's more than eight at this point. It's always been a very small team. I think that actually kind of surprises people how, how small a team has been. Um, given that like you know like I, I will say one thing I'm, I'm pretty proud of how the game looks and plays and um, not coming from games uh, I'm, I'm really really both surprised and impressed how much uh, you can get out of a very small team yeah for like my current project it's just been pretty much me uh, for like two years and now I'm just like all right I need I need more hands-on to like help carry this thing and it's uh it sounds like bids and I'm, I'm not familiar with like his past work um i think i know he like works at curve or curves is uh is his company it was he was um he's probably gonna kill me if i get the details wrong but uh-uh. to, to my knowledge um he was basically co-running the company and um so they they've done a lot of things i knew of um he he actually headed up um, a couple games that I remember seeing. One was Fluidity, which was a uh, water-based puzzle game that appeared on the. Um, I think it was originally a WiiWare game, and they did a sequel for the 3DS. Um, and he also did one called uh, Stealth Inc., which started out as Stealth Bastard, but they couldn't call it that when they <laughs> went to publication. So right. Um, but the, he he left, and so essentially uh, a good portion of the team, minus me, I should mention. They're all from the United Kingdom, um, except for our composer. Um, everyone else is from the UK. Uh, I think most of whom worked at Curve. Uh, and I don't remember the exact circumstances, but I think Curve kind of became more about publishing than developing games themselves. And um, Bids decided to just kind of start his own studio and... Um, essentially we're just a whole bunch of people working from our homes and uh, communicating remotely. And that's, that's what uh, one bit beyond is currently right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and from what I understand, like that's how a lot of indie studios handle it. Like that's how Finji handles it. That's how Vlambeer handles it. It's like, yeah, it's, it's amazing how, how well that can work. Uh, I mean, I, I do, I do miss sometimes the, um, kind of day-to-day interaction of being able to just say you know hey like you know turn to the person sitting next to you and go hey i have an idea um but we're all you know pretty communicative and we also just kind of leave each other to work which is good <laughs> we, we're all pretty self-sufficient i think that's pretty good yeah but yeah it's like it's funny seeing swords ditto at the devolver booth because you know um <laughs> i i have you know, each each indie publisher kind of has its own style, right? So like, yeah. Devolver has a style, Raw Fury has a style, Annapurna has a style, um, 
And then, so like seeing Swords of Ditto right next to like uh, uh, genital jousting <laughs> and Enter the Gungeon is both a really cool thing and a very like, there's like the dissonance there, right? Where it's like, oh, this is like cool and cute and like very, very like soft and effervescent and has all these yeah. bright primary colors and a lot of pastels in, in the yeah. color palette. Uh, and then you got over here just a bunch of penises. Um, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, I like, I think that helps your game stand out and also helps Devolver branch out a little bit more. Yeah. I, I kind of, um, you know, I didn't think of it at the time, but in hindsight, it seems kind of like Gungeon was like a little bit of a turning point, like a kind of happy medium between their, um, say like hotline Miami-esque super violent <laughs> games. And then also kind of really cutesy. Cause like the, the animation and art and, and enter the gungeon, um, which I actually played way too late. I didn't start playing it until it came out on the switch. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, it's, it's super cute. Like all the characters are just, they're adorable, but they just happen to shoot things left and right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like all the bullet enemies are very cutesy too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, same with, um, so we're around and there's also, um, I don't know if you've seen Minute, which is like this yes. RPG where you very minimalist style. Um, I, I wish I had had a chance to play it. Uh, we were we were both like both our teams were so busy when we were at uh, Devolver's like uh, E3 party <laughs> atmosphere. Um, like their whole like uh, you know what they do for E3? They have like a thing outside of E3 yeah, with like a big balloon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, their cement block their <laughs> parking lot. Yeah. yeah. So we were we were really super busy because that was the first time we showed the game. Um, but Minute was also shown there too, and I thought, wow, this is really really cool looking. And we both happened to be these two like kind of RPG uh, retro RPG ish things um, that are all about like limited playtime essentially. But theirs is really really limited, or <laughs> it's a literal minute. I just thought that was I thought it was really cool. Uh, but it also kind of stuck out as one that was, um, you know, not exactly uh the kind of thing you would expect to see from devolver so i i think they're looking to expand a little bit and uh you know i'm, I'm this is all just my impression I, I i met them and they're very nice people and they um they've been really good to us uh, but i don't deal to the, with them on a, on a day-to-day basis but um it just seemed like they really wanted to uh let people kind of do their own thing so they they got this pitch from my boss, Bids, and um, they just said, yeah, okay, well, go with it. And and uh, they've been very supportive the entire way. That's awesome. That's really great to hear. Uh, going back to Minute for a second. Uh, the for sequel a minute? To, to the, 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 <laughs> the sequel to Minute, second. <laughs> um, it, was at, it was at Day of the Devs at uh, GDC. And uh-huh. and actually, I had a very similar experience to playing Minute that I had to playing uh, your game, where someone walked away from the the kiosk. I was like, "Oh, cool! I'm gonna try this game out." And I I go up to it, and the demo hadn't restarted, so I was just <laughs> kind of like in this holding power of like, "Uh, what do I do?" Um, and Minute <laughs> Minute, it's very like because there's no there's no real. I guess quest log. I don't think, unless I'm forgetting something. Yeah, to be honest, I don't really know. I I I wish I had a chance to play it. Yeah, but it's like it's very very bare bones. It's very like link to the past esque, where it's like if you don't know what you need to do next, <laughs> you're gonna be a little screwed. So I just like ran around a bunch and kept dying when the timer went up, and <laughs> just like I don't know like what the next next puzzle is for me to solve because I don't know where I am in like the quest chain. <laughs> and then Swords of Ditto was very similar where I picked it up after someone else was playing it. I like had a uh, what felt like a mini boss encounter mm-hmm. with another character um, and then went through like a couple more rooms and then died and then I met what's the the serendipity? Is that the Oh yeah okay yeah um, the, the yeah the space whale serendipity yeah 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 and I was like, this game seems really cool. I should probably start this from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, well, glad to hear it. I really, I really liked it. It's, it's really cool because it's, it's an art style you don't really see a lot, right? Like hand drawn, but also like very, very uh, crisp mm. vector art. Uh, 
where it's not like it's not a bunch of and i might be totally uh misreading this and like this might the 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 game might be structured completely differently but it feels like it's not like a bunch of like different pieces for each character that you're animating separately like it's not like here's a limb that's a game object that we attach to the torso and then animating them separately it feels like everything's like you're animating your hand animating every single character am i right there uh just about so um my my i think the reason that i ended up getting the job was my my background is in kind of um i guess what you would say is like limited tv animation where it's uh so everything i do is in flash which is you know that much maligned um <laughs> term nowadays I hear it's dying <laughs> well flash as i you know on the web is is dead but um as a software as a software it's it's definitely on its way out but you'd be surprised how many companies are still using it just because it's it's so ingrained into the um at least in america and to some extent canada too because that's where we unfortunately we unfortunately for us fortunately for them i guess um lots of whole other bag of worms but uh they, they get a lot of our projects basically so we you know outsource stuff to canada uh but basically it means that um you know it's it's kind of a mixture of reused assets um so like heads and things i'll tend to reuse uh, as drawings um, but a lot of body stuff like the arms and, and, uh, torsos, legs, all that, they'll be redrawn, you know, frame to frame as necessary. So, um, you know, from the get go, I, their concept was to have it feel as much like playing a cartoon as could be reasonably done. And, um, you know, I knew enough about how to do little cheats like that in animation, um, that I think it could just kind of worked out. And also I, I worked almost exclusively in children's media, uh, for, for animation. So, um, I showed them the demo reel and I was like, they're going to hate this. This is just all cutesy stuff and whatever. And then they showed me the project and I was like, holy shit, this is like the exact same kind of style I've been animating for the last, you know, eight years at this point. So it worked out remarkably well. Yeah. It it very much has that like, you know, adventure time or Steven universe kind of like what the animation style that's very in um yeah. with like the thick line art very little shading like very large contrast between the foreground the background like yeah a lot of that stuff which you know you'd think you'd see a lot of that in games like a lot of that art style adapted to games but for the most part you don't outside of like like even i think the steven universe game the the more recent one that came out doesn't even use like the traditional steven universe art style it's like they drop the line art and it's all just basically geometric forms and simplified versions of all the characters. They look a little more like, um, I, I don't know how familiar you are with Steven Universe, but they, they have two different models for Steven Universe. They have the normal models of the characters and they have the... Um, oh, like the chibi ones. Right? Yeah, the, like far away. Like So if a character's in the distance, there'll be a much more simplified uh, version of how they look. And, and the ones in the, the game look a little more like that. They also, they did um, the, I don't know if you saw, have you ever heard of OKKO? OK it's a show that's airing right now. I heard about it. I haven't seen it. I heard it's really good. I heard the game that came out with it is also really good. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, I, I haven't played too much of the game yet, but it was done by the people at Cappy and um, they just like knocked it out of the park where they, they didn't take the exact animation style of the show, but they, you know, adapted it for something that worked. Right. Um, but yeah, I see what you mean, like, we we wanted to have something that wouldn't look out of place on TV, uh, the actual in-game models. So uh, that was always the goal. And, um, you know, I guess whether or not it succeeded is up to <laughs> up to the consumer. But uh, I, I like to hope to hope that it did. So what I'm hearing is Swords of Ditto, the TV show. Uh, <laughs> look for it soon. Yeah, I'm sure the Devolver people will love me proclaiming that to be a truth. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Berry, creative director on Swords of Ditto, <laughs> the TV show. Uh, what a dream job. That'd be great because then I could kind of go back to TV. Um, yeah, you'd have, it, also, you'd have it all. Yeah, I'd have it all. Yeah. Uh, so you said models uh, just a second ago. Are they actually like 3D models that they're grafting your animations onto or are they 2D? No, they're all 2D. Um, I <sighs> Bids explained, uh, this is a game maker game, and he explained it to me at one point that I think technically the game is 
it's, it's technically 3D. Uh, you wouldn't know it, um, but like depth-wise, I think it, it might actually be kind of uh, internally thought of as a 3D plane. Uh, but um, for me, it's, you know, it's I'm just giving him flat art and, and it's being put in as flat art. That must be like a, a crazy amount of frames that you've animated through the course of this game. Uh, yeah, you know, actually... Uh, Do you have a count? No, not not currently. At one point, maybe halfway through the game, Bids did uh, give a count uh, for what was being taken up on the sprite sheets. Um, sprite sheets, thankfully, a thing I don't have to deal with at all because <laughs> I would have I would have gone insane. Uh, he he's taking care of all of that within his um you know his game maker experience. Uh, but uh, yeah, he gave me a count and it was. It was many, many thousands because like essentially, you know, we have, uh, I think currently in game, I want to say definitely over 25 different possible characters you can play as. Um, Each of them has tons of moves. Then you have the enemy characters. There's over 30 of those. And each of those Basically, every character has five angles, like five distinct angles that have to be drawn. And um, I actually told Bids, essentially, like, you know what? You've essentially, like, multiplied the amount of animation you need by five by creating this type of game, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we know. This is what we're going for. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, there's a shit ton of, of drawings <laughs> in this game. That's, that's really impressive. Like, there, there's some parts of, like, commercial art where I'm just like... Man, that just seems like a lot of like you just sitting there by yourself with I don't know if you use like a Wacom or you do it by mouse or whatever, but like you know. oh no, we'll, we'll Wacom definitely right, right, and just like just gotta churn out all of these frames, just gotta get them all done. This is this is why um, I I don't know I I think I think I passed the test to get the game when I showed that I could be resourceful with stuff like. I'm not going to redraw the head every time. Like I basically I've set up heads for characters so that um, they're reusable and I have a bunch of expressions that I've drawn that I can um, kind of like pick and choose which expression to use depending on whatever the action is. Um, so all those things have to be drawn, but it also means I don't necessarily have to draw them more than once, which has allowed me to get to those high uh, frame numbers without killing myself <laughs> right yeah just restitching heads to different yeah. torsos and stuff and yeah, yeah. using expressions that's really cool um another thing uh that you kind of brought up was like kind of like you said adapting your art to games or adapting animation to games i think one of my favorite stories uh that concerns animation and games and stop me if you've heard this one but uh it concerns the um the lion king game for the genesis um and in it so they worked very closely with the disney animators to get like simba's walk cycle and a bunch of a bunch of because i don't think the lion king movie had come out at at that point i think they were like working on the game concurrently with the movie oh yeah i'm sure um and so they were getting a bunch of like uh pencil tests and a bunch of like animation tests from disney to help with um a bunch of the sprite work in the lion king game yeah one of the things that drove the Disney animators insane that they did in the game is that when you change directions, so say you, you've been walking right and then you suddenly start walking left, that the animation, the sprite immediately flips to the opposite <laughs> direction. And it drove the animators, the Disney animators insane because there's like, where are the frames where Simba <laughs> turns around? And they're like, there aren't any because that would take too long. Yes. When you play a game, you want it to be responsive, so you want Simba to flip on a dime so you can start running in the opposite direction, which like goes counter to traditionally what you're taught with animation. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Uh, that's I hadn't heard that story, but that's really funny because it makes a lot of sense. It's actually extra funny because the animation in the Lion King game is phenomenal. Like it's really really good. Yeah. That the uh, um the both of the uh um Aladdin games as well. Mhm. Um, so yeah, that's funny. Uh, actually on that end, um, years and years ago, <laughs> I kind of became obsessed with, um, 
because I've always been in, into games and and very much into retro games. Because I, I I was born in '85, and um, you know I kind of got the NES when it was um, not new, but um, you know it had been out for a few years. It was my first console. Um, always into retro games, and so I, I really got into the stuff that uh, WayForward does because uh, you know like the Shantae series and um, yeah. Uh, DuckTales, uh, the remastered DuckTales game. And uh, what I really loved about the stuff they were producing was um, they were essentially marrying kind of the old school uh, playability of, you know, 90s platform games, but combining it with like really, really killer animation. Um, and so for shits and giggles, I I did like a little test of what would the uh nes uh, rescue rangers game be like if it was kind of animated in a ducktales um remastered kind of way okay yeah and uh i uploaded it and one of the the guy who directed the ducktales game you know liked it and uh wrote to me basically saying like hey you really can't have uh anticipation frames they're like uh, the frames leading before an action. Like, so I had like, you know, chip in this little animation, he squatted down, he jumped up in the air and he's like, that literally can't happen in games because um, it'll feel really, really mushy. If you do that, if they had had Simba fully turn around, the player would go, why the hell does it take a second and a half for this character to turn around to go left? I really, I really took that to heart. Like this, I mean, it kind of made sense to me because I, I kind of innately knew that you wouldn't be able to treat it just like TV animation. Um, but in the same end, I'd never done it before. And, uh, that was kind of really reinforced while working on Ditto where, um, you know, some things could have anticipation. Like basically if you wanted an enemy to have a tell, they were going to attack you. It would have anticipation frames. Yeah. Um, but if you had a character doing something like you really just can't, you can't afford to do that. Because it's not, it's just not responsive enough. Like the way we've, we've created games is that we've. I mean, and this is the reason why I don't like games with a lot of animation priority, like a Dark Souls <laughs> or like fighting games, mm. because it's just, it's so counter to the way a lot of games teach you how to play. Yeah. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. And then there's a lot of, and because those games, I mean, more so fighting games, less so Dark Souls, but because those games have such a long history of doing that, there's then this like inherent inherited knowledge this archaic knowledge that's associated with specifically those games yeah that you have to then you have to basically like have a graduate degree on quarter turn kicks <laughs> and everything in order to properly like play one of those games yeah that's 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 one of those reasons i, I just finding games and i have just never really clicked together yeah you mentioned earlier um some of my favorite disney cartoons uh with Chippendale Rescue Rangers as well as DuckTales um would you say like that era of cartoons or what influenced you or is it animated films or some other you a Flintstones guy what what where's your where's your taste lie it's it's kind of all over i the, the actually the funny thing is the thing that got me into drawing of all things was a video game but then again like specifically a video game TV show, which was Sonic the Hedgehog. Like I was, <laughs> I was that kind of guy who could have easily ended up being a very uh, bonkers, avid Sonic fan as a adult. <laughs> uh, but you know, as the games changed, I just couldn't really get into right. them. At first I thought we were referencing bonkers, the cartoon. I'm like, all right, we're just, we're going down this road. Oh God, no. Yeah. Well, actually, well that, that, that whole era of um, the, the Disney afternoon cartoon shows were yeah. very much a thing that I watched. Um, but the first thing I, I was really drawing was Sonic because um, I, was, I was just obsessed with the games. I didn't even have a Genesis at the time, but just the look of Sonic was so appealing to me that I would try my best to draw him, except I, I didn't draw him with arms for some reason. I didn't think to put arms on him. Yes, yeah, Rayman this Sonic up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was uh definitely b both the sonic games uh the early disney cartoon not early but you know like the the post disney renaissance tv disney cartoons were things i was very much into um i was a huge simpsons fan um I i'm not really into the simpsons like as it's airing now but um you know the the first eight seasons of simpsons are like kind of perpetually on my tv um 
Yeah, and like movies too. But um, I always kind of, I always kind of liked the uh, more limited uh, aspect of television animation, which is um, kind of what my trajectory was. Um, not that I ended up working on anything that's like all the stuff I worked on was essentially um, children's shows, predominantly on PBS or on like uh, kind of like kids apps on the web. Okay. Um, oh, uh, were you a big Newgrounds guy? You know, I wasn't uh, only because uh, I <laughs> I didn't learn Flash until I was, let me think, nearing the end of college and I got an internship uh, at the studio where I ended up working for, um, God, six years, uh, which is Soup to Nuts in Boston, which is actually best known for Dr. Katz and Home Movies, which aired in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, by the time I went there, they were doing um, basically nothing but kids stuff because they got bought out by Scholastic, the uh, book publishing company. Um, and they kind of had like a education initiative in within the studio. Didn't they also make um, Science Lab? Science Court. Science Court. Science Court. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was, man, I've, I watched way too much Science Court. Yeah. That was basically Dr. Katz for kids, more or less. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was a weird that was a weird one Saturday morning lineup <laughs> yeah. between like that yeah. and recess and yeah. Uh, yeah. I ever did you ever so were you a one Saturday morning guy? I was because um as a kid I didn't I didn't have uh, cable. So while well, everyone else was watching um Nickelodeon cartoons and then Cartoon Network shows, I was relying on network tv to get my cartoon fix so yeah recess recess is a great one i loved it i haven't seen it in years yeah i I wonder if going back would it still hold up because it felt so biting at the time it felt so clever compared to the other the other stuff right yeah definitely but uh so do you remember the um the the genie from aladdin having little like 10 minute educational interstitials on one saturday morning do you remember this? No, I don't. Because I describe this to people and they look at me like it's a fever dream. <laughs> uh, so what it was, it was called uh, Great Minds Think for Themselves. And it was about, and, and Jeannie, I, I don't know if Robin Williams was was voicing. Uh, it was it was probably Dan Castellaneta because he was doing the, the TV version of Jeannie. The cartoon. Um, yeah. Which is also a good cartoon. But yeah. uh, <laughs> the... The conceit was it was about Genie educating people about different historical figures uh, and like what they contributed to like American society. So there was like one about George Washington Carver. There was one about, I don't know, probably like a bunch of different scientists, uh, statesmen. But the beginning of it starts with like some random other narrator going like throughout the throes of history, blah, 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 blah. I was like, you know, it goes to show you great minds think alike. And then just genie comes in. He's like wrong. And then he like (laughs) snaps his fingers, like the screen flashes and like, it's like a stone tablet. Like you'd see like the 10 commandments or something written on, but carved in it says great minds think for themselves. And he just says like great minds think for themselves. Uh, And that's the uh, whole thing. I don't remember it, but I suspect if I were to look up a YouTube video of it afterwards, it would come flooding back to me. But the like, thing uh, is, it's impossible to find on YouTube. <laughs> that's amazing. So that's the crazy thing. So it's like this weird, it's like Super Nintendo, Satellaview kind of thing where it's like <laughs> no one bothered to like, you know, save the VHS that all the original animations were on or something because it's it, like it only existed in the moment. Yeah. It like is literally <laughs> impossible to find. Uh, that's funny. It's so weird. Well, it's possible you just imagine the whole thing. It could be, but that's way too specific a thing for a little kid to just make up like, geez, it was, it was weird. Yeah. But like once it's like one of those things that like once you come of age, you're like, oh shit, what was that thing? And then you like go down a Google rabbit hole <laughs> to like try to find it. And then it's like, it's not here. <laughs> I would normally find something like I felt like this might have been based off of something you shared on Twitter. But and I like, oh, I, no, I think it was Jay Tholen. Jay Tholen shared something on Twitter and it made me go down a Zoog Disney rabbit hole. Do you remember Zoog Disney? God, no. What is that? All right. So it was like, so like they would they would they would bracket the Disney Channel into certain like 
types of, of shows like throughout the course of the day, right? Um, so like in the morning, it's like Mickey's Playhouse or like you know Disney Junior or whatever whatever their their equivalent was to Nick Junior, right? For like right, very yeah. very little kids, and then you have like the regular run of of cartoons during the day for like you know kids that are are older but they're not old enough to like be in elementary school. And then the stuff in the afternoon is like, okay, these are kids that are coming home from school. It's like they want to watch something. And that bracket for a while was called Zoog Disney. What Zoog Disney was, they had these characters called Zoogs, which were like representations of different aspects of like internet culture. Oh my God. And internet culture of like the early 2000s. So there was no like alt right Zoog. It was like. <laughs> You know, th- th- this Zoog represents like MP3s and music, and this Zoog represents like surfing on the net, and this one represents like I don't know video games or whatever. Uh, but it's like one of those things where it's like you you watched it so many times when you were that age that it's like <laughs> it imprinted on you. But like trying to describe it to someone else, you sound like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, you you may have found the most obscure Disney thing in existence, which is. I mean, I've never heard of it. I've heard of some some random ass uh, Disney trivia. This is all new to me. Oh yeah. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad I can fill in the gaps of your Disney knowledge. You're gonna do great at, at trivia night. <laughs> but yeah, now that I went on that wild tangent about stupid shit I watched uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, what's up with you, Alex? How are you doing over there? <laughs> I'm doing very well, thanks. Good. Uh, so, Swords of Ditto coming out soon. April 24th, you said? April 24th, yeah. Um, the release date, we didn't... I don't think we even knew about it until the uh, latest trailer came out. Oh, did you get the picket? Or is that a Devolver thing? Yeah. Good question. Okay. We actually... Uh, I think we we might have come out earlier, um, but we wanted a little more time on stuff, and um, we had the wiggle room for it. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, I think I think Devolver is pretty understanding of these things. Um, they 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 clearly they, they deal with a lot of different types of developers um, from like you know how much experience they have on a prof- professional level, um, and I think they kind of trust Bids because he essentially co-ran a studio for years. Right, and I think that that probably plays into like his leadership with developing the game too because like like you said there's so many people like trading off parts of the game and have their hands on or have their hands off of it like i'm sure having a seasoned creative director um or managing director of the game helps with that a lot yeah and and he's he's basically both you know we're such a small team that um he's both those things plus he does a shit ton of coding as well so uh he's a busy guy (laughs) to say the least yeah no doubt no doubt he he exuded uh like both professionalism and um I don't know like when <laughs> so basically he he put out a, a call for animators on Twitter and um I saw it retweeted by uh a guy named Jonathan Holmes I don't know if you follow him on Twitter but he he writes for Destructoid oh, okay and um you know I said you know what the hell I'll just I was unemployed at the time I was you know freelance I've been freelancing for the last god three years four years now maybe um and uh at the time i didn't have any work so i said oh, i'll send my reel and um you know in the first email i could tell they had their shit together and they didn't even have to say devolver to convince me that these guys like had a clear vision and also the um business experience to to really make something work even with somebody like me who was brand new to all this stuff. Right. So so they had already partnered with Devolver before they brought you aboard. Yeah. So at the time that I was brought on, uh, I think they had been kind of, I don't, I don't know from the very beginning uh, with Devolver, but I think the project had existed for about a year. So um, I've been on it for two years this month and they had been on it for a year. You know, they had a... Um, he he had a whole pitch video uh, to show me where, and then I actually got to play the game where, um, you know, we had the one temp character and a bunch of temp enemies. Um, but it felt like a game, like it felt like <laughs> the mechanics of moving around and fighting were so solid that I was just like, this is this is the real deal. This is not some bullshit project. Uh, and I was kind of hesitant to take the job only because it was so out of my wheelhouse and um, 
it's kind of one of those situations where you're almost afraid of success where it's like you have a really cool opportunity and you think you can probably make it work but you're so f- afraid of fucking up <laughs> that you just like yeah you know, I, I was i was nervous about it and um you know if it wasn't for their their confidence in in themselves and in me and also my my then fiance now wife um who kind of said you know just you really you really should just try this <laughs> uh that's what really pushed me over the edge to to work with them that's awesome and that's awesome she was so supportive of that yeah, I, I I told Biz this I think the first time the other day that like yeah it's kind of kind of came down to Danielle like <laughs> she hadn't uh, said that this is worth going for I, I may have taken the safe route because I, I had a job offer for a small project um, a local project um, with people I like and I've worked with in the past but um, you know I've been I've been obsessed with Nintendo games since I was five and here these people were making a, a Zelda like like I I just I couldn't say no. That's that's really inspiring. Like I, I currently work a full time job, and then I do game development on the side. And like, there's always that like, oh, but maybe I could just go freelance and like do some, you know, Unity work, Unity development to like shore up, like you know, have some cash flow coming in while I work on a game. But like, have being someone that hasn't worked freelance a lot in the past, there's there's like this. Uh, but what if I like, what if I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from? How's that going to feel? Uh, yeah, I don't blame you. So like my, my freelancing situation is, um, I was forced into it because, <laughs> uh, our, our, our studio, uh, soup to nuts, which did all these shows I mentioned. Um, I was on a show called word girl for years, which is basically just like a, a vocabulary, um, building show for kids. But, um, actually it was honestly a really, a really great and funny program to work on um but essentially uh you know we were deemed not profitable enough by scholastic which is like i don't know the biggest book publisher in the fucking country and and, right and they um you know the the goosebumps movie was just around the corner and they they basically wanted to restructure all their uh entertainment divisions um so they they cut off soup to nuts and we all just kind of were forced into freelance (laughs) so it was a whole bunch of uh animators just kind of kicking around boston um many of whom you know rightfully so have have moved to los angeles for um you know big projects uh and i i just kind of stayed freelancing which was fine um but you know there are times when you don't necessarily know where your next check is going to come from and at the time when um bids was looking for an animator i had been out of work for a few months and and i had just turned 30 and it was a little depressing to be <laughs> to to hit that milestone and uh, <laughs> Hooray, not have a whole lot going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Congratulations. Yeah, it was a it was a weird weird couple of months, which is why I was kind of like, yeah, fuck it, I'll give it a try, and didn't really expect anything to come out of it, and then miraculously it did. That's good. That's that's awesome to hear because you know games can be, especially indie games, can be such a such a risk. Right now, it's just it's. It's crazy. Like the the indie apocalypse just is a is just a it's a cycle at this point, um, right? Where everyone like feels like, hey, maybe it's good now. Oh wait, nope. Okay, there's still like a great chance for me to be eternally fucked. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's where like you know having the confidence of Devolver definitely you know it made me feel good the entire time uh, going along and also uh, bids experience, but also just like um, you know everyone in the team is very supportive and. Um, and, and bids as a boss, as a director, has been uh, super duper understanding of things. Like it's actually to the point where I was kind of almost looking for excuses to not take the job in some respect. So at the time, I was like just a few months away from getting married, and I said, "Well, you know, I think I can take the job, but uh, I've got to have a wedding in June, and then you're know, probably going to take a honeymoon after that." And I, every time I said something, I was just expecting him to go, "Oh, well, that's fine. It's not going to work out," because I was just I was so afraid to take a chance on this whole thing. Uh, but um he was like no no it's fine it's fine yeah you 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 got it you got it married we got to get married um and and you know he's always been extremely understanding of of my time and everyone's time and um you know i i hear these uh you know sometimes horror stories or at least just stressful stories of people working in both the AAA side of gaming and also the indie side of gaming where people just work themselves to death and 
don't really get a whole lot, to, you know, money wise or or respect wise even from the companies. But um, that was never never ever a thing on this project. I always felt like uh, a respected member and, and like real contributor. Where I you know I came into the project thinking, you know, I was kind of thinking of myself more as just kind of a hired gun of, okay, I'm just going to do the animation. Um, but you know, they've, they valued my input, I think, and I valued all their input on my stuff. And it's just been really, really collaborative. Yeah. Especially what you were talking about before with, uh, the, the current state of like flux that the game industry is in because like coming off of GDC, a big, a big topic of conversation was, uh, organized labor unionization, yeah, I was I was seeing the live tweets from that uh, particular talk. Yeah, I didn't make it to that roundtable, but I heard it. I heard it got maybe not heated is the right word, but it got there was passionate. A, yeah, there was some passion in yeah. that in that room, um, which is great to hear because you know I'm I'm totally pro pro labor pro labor organization with it. But like like you're saying with AAA, these people working themselves to death. I have a colleague who I'm not going to specify because I don't want them to be at risk of losing their job. Yeah. Uh, was going to meet me sometime during GDC. It's like, hey, let's hang out. Let's 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 get dinner or something. I was like, cool, awesome. Let me know. Uh, and then at the end of the week, they were like, I'm so sorry, I wasn't able to meet up with you. I've just been so busy. Uh, my employer has is making us work 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. this entire week, and I'm like, that's unsustainable. That's untenable. Like, no, yeah, for a video game. I'm sure being like spending 80 hours a week on a video game seems crazy to me because, you know, I'm a guy that fucking, you know, takes all of his free time to work on video games. Uh, but if you're an, an employed, a full time salaried employee of a company, you know, there should be sustainable, feasible hours for you to work because uh, it, it, it gets crazy. It's it's. Like I said, it's unsustainable. Yeah, my my experience, uh, you know, in TV, and granted, you know, I'm not, I wasn't working at a major TV studio, but um, uh, it was similar in the respect that um, a lot of us. I, I love the company. I I, I love the people we worked with, but um, they definitely hired a lot of young animators, people who are willing to put in some really long hours. And um, you know, I was working. God, when I started, it was it was definitely seventy hour weeks routinely it was like every every weekend every night i was always always working and kind of ebbed and flowed over the years but in my last position i was um directing the storyboarders on the show and it took up a lot of my time and basically when i got to the freelance i was like you know i just can't do this anymore right it's 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 so de- it's just inherently depressing and exhausting to do this and um it just ruins you so uh, I think if I were ever in a position of that kind of crazy crunch, I don't think I could last in it. I just, I, I, I know some people th- seem to thrive in it and that's fine. Uh, but it's just not for me. Yeah. Like whether it's entertainment, um, games, animation, you know, Hollywood, or even in tech, like, you know, they have them work crazy hours in Silicon Valley I mean, and they and they pay them. They pay them, you know, fantastic salaries. But you know, at at what point is your is your work life balance or your 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 health? What price tag can you put on that? Yeah, exactly. And but so hopefully, I hope it gets figured out. I mean, it's obviously going to be a lot of uh, a lot of pushback against it from you know, like the ESA and AAA studios in general, and I'm sure the Silicon, uh, Silicon Valley is going to have a lot to say about it too, since, you know, Silicon Valley and, and the games industry kind of go hand in hand a little bit. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure it would affect, affect their employees too. Where it's like all the Apple employees like, Hmm, well those guys over at EA are getting, are getting, you know, a union together. Maybe we should get a union together. Yeah. I, I, I hope that, you know, all it really takes is passion and, and momentum. Um, my fear with anything like this, in games or any other field is um, there's so many people who want jobs in gaming or in film or TV. Um, I hope that the people who are seasoned veterans aren't considered, you know, expendable. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think people are seasoned 
for a reason. They've they've worked hard, long hours, and they know what the hell they're doing. It's, so it's, they're worth keeping around. So fucking pay them, yeah. man. <laughs> it's the season for the reason. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I agree. I'm glad. I mean, obviously, we we should be on the same side of this because we're both <laughs> we're both, you know, creators. We're not executives. Right. I'd like I'd like to think I had the same thoughts if I were a multi-million dollar businessman. Uh, but um. <laughs> I was talking to Mike Bithell at at GDC about this. Um, mm-hmm. We had dinner together one night and he was just like, I'm all for it. I'm all for organized labor, unionization of the games industry. Uh, and he said maybe even more so because I I'm British and Europe has a history of being very pro-union. But it's not my role to play in pushing unionization because he made he made the case that I'm an employer and anytime a, an employer led union tries to take hold it usually kind of falls like the firmament doesn't can't sustain its weight because like the point of organized labor is for the workers to represent themselves not for the the, the employer to create a new sort of representation for the workers. Cause you know, the employer should already be representing the workers. That's the whole point of like a, a hierarchy at a corporation, but the workers need to represent themselves separately. Um, I thought it was an interesting, interesting statement to make. Um, I think it, I think it rings pretty true. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what comes of it. Yeah. I can only, only hope for the best. Um, well, cool. Alex, that was a great conversation. Cool. I'm, I I hope so. I, I tend to ramble, so. No, you're good. Hey, look, <laughs> did you bring up Zoog Disney or uh, no? Great I did minds not bring up... think for themselves. <laughs> no, then I think you're I think you're doing better than the other person on this podcast right now. <laughs> uh, well, I was I was very happy to uh, answer any questions. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say or cover? Uh, before we head out, anything you've been playing that you're dying to talk about? Any, anything left to say yeah. on Swords of Ditto? Um, well, I, I, I hope people, I hope people genuinely enjoy Swords of Ditto. Like, I, I, I think it's, um, you know, they kind of sold the game on me for the fact that they were going for a, uh, cool, unique art style, but, um, I think it really plays really well too. And, uh, you know, I hope that kind of resonates with people. And um, as far as the greater animation gaming conversation goes, uh, I guess, you know, it's been a lot of fun working in games. I don't know if I will uh, be on this. I have no idea. It just kind of depends on how things play out over the next year or so. But um, yeah, you kind of said that you're kind of in a state of flux, like not sure if you should keep working in games or go back to regular animation it's mostly it's, it's kind of a matter of you know what are the circumstances at any, at any given time but i would say if if this ends up being the only game that i animate on i will be you know really proud to have worked on it and um and eternally grateful to my team that they'd be willing to take a chance on somebody like me so definitely definitely so so props to them and to devolver and um anyone else for believing in our little game uh well said well said indeed is uh is the whole team gonna be at pax east uh i ask while knowing that this episode will come out after pax east uh i think it's kind of all that's also in flux a little bit uh i i know for sure at least a few members will we got a week to figure that out guys so yeah it's 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 we play fast and loose right now when the game is out in a month um, I will be there for sure, uh, as will um, at least two other members of our group, our um, level designer and our art director, uh, Sam and Dave, will, will both be there. Awesome. Well, I would love to meet them and you as well, uh, maybe sometime during the show. Yeah, uh, for sure. I'll be around. Sweet. Um, also, uh, since you're a local Bostonian, <laughs> do, do you know anyone that would be interested in buying a Saturday or Friday pass for PAX East <laughs> because I am in possession of extra single passes for both and I would like to <laughs> at least break even on the passes I bought? Uh, you know, it's funny. I actually bought a pass as well because I wasn't entirely sure that Devolver would be coming to East this year. 
uh, as it turns out, they obviously are. So I have one I also have to get rid Damn of. Damn it. Damn it, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll let you know. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. If not, just hold it over your head and yell really loudly outside the convention center. <laughs> but, but I need like a thick Boston accent to, to, oh, God. to really sell, drive the point home. Uh, nothing nothing Bostonians love more than people doing uh, a crappy Bostonian accent. <laughs> I, bet. I bet. I'm not, I'm not going to try, uh, you know, harming your ears by replicating it now. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, that was that, that it's such a weird thing. Like, cause you know, the scalpers, scalpers are of course a thing at every, of every trade show, but like mm-hmm. the Bostonian scalpers for PAX East is maybe oh, yeah. like, there's that footbridge that like goes away from the convention center. And there's just like a bunch mm-hmm. of them, like new ticket, new pass, new ticket, new pass, yeah. pass, huh? Uh, at PAX South people, some of the scalpers were buying them back. So maybe I'll find, so maybe a scalper will be like, you want a Friday pass? And I'm like, do you want a Friday pass? <laughs> because I got one to sell. Yeah. Well, g- well good luck to you. I, I might have to do the same if I uh, can't find somebody to give this one to. Yeah. Is your wife not interested? Was your wife like hard pass? She already has a pass. So I, I bought two passes. Damn it. Um, we sh- <laughs> need to find someone. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's tough. I, I wish you good luck in that in that quest. Yeah, to sell yeah, it to someone. And, and good luck to you on uh, on your panel. Oh yes, thank you. The hidden gems panel that uh, will have gone up by now, but it it was such a great time. I just I want to say we had such a great time at PAX East. <laughs> you know, Felix. <laughs> thanks to Felix Kramer. Thanks to Mike Footer for being on the panel. Thanks for Mason Brown being on the panel. I hung out with Alex Berry a shit ton. He's a really cool dude. Just an awesome guy. Well, I hope I don't turn out to be a real asshole in person by the time you see me. <laughs> just totally snub me. Like, Alex, Alex, hey, it's Dylan. You remember Dylan? Just, <laughs> just walk away. I don't know that guy. I don't know who the fuck that guy is. Uh, all right. Well, thank you again, Alex. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Swords of Ditto, April 24th. Check it. Buy it. Enjoy it. Please do. Thanks again, Alex. Thank you. Bye.